And um, I think even more special to see a few of you in church that could have easily chosen not to be in church because you're going through different family struggles. And um, I don't know how heartening is it that you would choose to come and worship with us. So that actually says a lot. Um, and um, that this wasn't part of the talk at all, but we're in quite challenging times, aren't we? And you layer one thing onto another. Uh, some of you are dealing with some really, really deep stuff. Um, some of us are trying to adjust to what the, the new normal might be um, with COVID, which hasn't gone away, as we've been hearing from some, someone um, already this morning. And um, you lay on that um, uncertain political times, economic times, and um, a Russian president that's parking his tanks um, on the border of Ukraine. And um, it's in, into that situation that, that we ask the question of ourselves this morning, um, what is our heart's desire? What is God's heart's desire? And um, maybe I'll forget to say this, but sometimes our heart's desires are faithful and true, and sometimes they're not, but God knows our hearts, whether um, we're people who are fairly anonymous um, and part of sort of everyday society, or whether we're world leaders. But I believe in a God who's sovereign, that's in the business of transforming hearts and minds, even of presidents. Let's pray. Lord, we pray this morning that we dare to trust you to examine our hearts and minds, uh, that we dare to trust you to redirect our hearts and minds, that we dare to be honest where our hearts' desires are probably not aligned with yours, and we pray that they would be. So help us, God. Amen. Um, <clears throat> this is a bit of a, a random thought, but those of us that have had university children in the last little while have probably been faced with the dreaded um, personal statements that they have to write up uh, to get into university. Has anyone come across this? It's, it's probably, I think it's, is it 500 words? Maybe the most important 500 words that you'll ever write. 4,000 characters. Linda's smiling. You had to read a few of those, I imagine. You don't get very much, but what we were told, um, this is the thing that you have to put on a bit of paper in order to get accepted on a university course. If you're a good university, you will read all these things. If you're a not-so-good university, you'll ignore it and just take the money. But anyway, they're the 4,000 most important characters that you might write, and that's counting the gaps and things like that. And we were taught, because parents have to read these statements, because you invest a lot of money in getting your children to a certain stage, you don't want them to fall at the last hurdle. Um, but what uh, lecturers and people are doing admissions are interested in is probably your heart's desire. You've got to be sort of do all sorts of interesting stuff and be completely amazing. But if you don't show any care or concern for the subject, 
I think it goes in the whack, whack, oops, laughing bin at the side, not that they've got time to do that sort of thing. So um, whether it's that or applying for a job or other things, there's things in life that folks uh, want to get beyond all the fluff and work out, have you got a passion for this? Have you got a heart's desire for this? Apparently we're in a season because of COVID, that a lot of people are reassessing their lives. Has anyone come across the big quit? Are you aware of this? Have you read about it um, in the newspapers? Well, probably I read very selective newspapers, I don't know. But um, quite a lot of people, when they were coming out of this COVID season, thought they might reassess their lives and what they do. And there's mass resignations in parts of the world. It started off in the States. There's a bit of that sort of going on here. Why on earth am I going through this drudgery and doing things that my heart's not in? Some people want promotion, they want more money, but maybe deep down, a lot of people want to do something that's meaningful and purposeful that brings them life, and people are starting to reassess. The same is true when it comes to... Um, um, people serving in church. Now, I'm looking out. A lot of you have come back. But if you look beyond Claygate and around the world, a lot of people are not coming back. And a lot of people are not coming back and, and serving. So there's a lot of churches that are really, really struggling. And um, the people you think might not be struggling are really struggling too. So I was reading a survey during the week uh, um, by the Barna Group, and this is a group that works in North America. And they pre-COVID surveyed church pastors and uh, worked out how many of them wanted to quit. I think it was in the sort of 20-plus percent bracket they wanted to get out. At the moment, I think the figure um, is closer to 40% and higher in certain denominations. So the people you think might be the most faithful or want to be the most faithful, I don't know, maybe they've lost their heart's desire through burnout and other things to want to serve the Lord in that particular way. So if any of you are feeling like that, well, you've turned up to church this morning, that's a good start, but you're in really good company if you feel like you want to quit on other people and want to quit on the Lord. Incidentally, I don't feel like that, by the way. But I'm just putting it, I'm just putting it out there. If my heart is not in the right place, and not in my job and serving, tough stuff happens. I'm looking around. You all know about really, really tough stuff. What is your heart's desire and maybe more importantly, uh, what is God's heart's desire for us? We can't make anyone love us or you to love them. We can't make God loves us. Thankfully, he's predisposed to loving us and our response to him is really, really important. Some years ago, um, people at my church, it's probably a very, very dodgy church, we used to sing, sing a very simple chorus. Uh, I apologize if you don't like choruses. Uh, but we used to sing this one with a passion, and we meant it. Lord, you have my heart. 
and I will search for yours. Jesus, take my life and lead me on. Lord, you have my heart and I will search for yours. Let me be to you a sacrifice. It goes on, I will praise you. Lord, I'll sing of love come down. But um, what it means um, from Romans, the teaching of Romans, to be a sacrifice, that's a, we're a living um, act, our worship. It's whole life worship is what God is calling us to. In the Bible, the heart is not just an organ that pumps blood around the body. And we know how important that is to some of us. And that's quite um, an important, and we're so grateful that that is what happens. But it, when the Bible talks about it, it's talking about our hearts being the center of our emotions, our feelings, and our desires as well. In marketing, emotion is leveraged to help an audience identify or buy a particular product. If you tap into anger or happiness or compassion and tell a story around this, it gives a bit of meaning that uh, provokes some sort of reaction in us and um, maybe hooks us in some way. And we all get hooked by these things. We can use heart's desires for good and for ill. We don't want to be manipulated but the heartfelt emotions that we have are uh, created and given to us by God and they can and should have good and godly purposes. The Bible regularly reverse, refers to the human heart. And we all know this, I quote it loads and loads and loads. To me, it's sort of the genesis of what um, we're called to be and do. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. There are warnings too about the seat of our emotions. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, and you guessed it, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. God wants us to be wholehearted in our desire to do his will. Psalm 86 verse 11 Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me a undivided heart that I may fear your name. Our Bible reading today from 1 Timothy 2 verses 3 to 7 reminds us that Paul, formerly known as Saul, passionately embraces God's heart desire for all people to be saved. He's particularly called to take this message, this gospel to the Gentiles. But as you know, this was not always so. Before God captures his heart and changes his life purpose, he was passionately pursuing and persecuting Christians. So we just listened to a reading from a, a Christian murderer this morning. Just putting it out there. There's hope for us all. He admits in Galatians 1.13, 13, 
I was violently persecuting the church of God and trying to destroy it. His personal testimony. This was born out of a love, I suggest, a zealous passion for the traditions of his ancestors and Judaism as it was um, being interpreted at the time. Saul Paul was there at the death of Stephen, Acts 3.1, a coat tender giving approval of those that threw missiles at this most beloved saint that remember the day after Christmas. He pursued and imprisoned men and women who followed Jesus and his teaching. Galatians 21.13 reports a remarkable transformation of heart and mind. The man who was once persecuting us, the church, is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. As most of you know, a blinding, Paul had a blinding Damascus Road experience that changed the purpose of his life. He was blinded and heard the voice of Jesus calling out to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? To persecute the church is to persecute the Lord Jesus Christ. After this encounter, his life turned round and Paul became an apostle to the Gentiles and nothing could stop him from trying to bring the Gentiles to faith. He faced hardships and ridicule and beatings and sword and death. His encounter with Jesus, and this is quite a subtle point, didn't involve him, and some might challenge me on this, but didn't involve him finding a new God. The God of the Jews is our God too. What happened through Jesus is his eyes were opened and his heart was opened to serve the living God in the way that God intended God wasn't about, and lots of us have got this maybe wrong and judged others from different denominations, etc. and look at Northern Ireland. <laughs> you know, I, I, the list could go on. Sometimes we think we're following the living God, but all of us can misjudge situations and be misguided from time to time, so we're not setting ourselves above Paul. But we need heart encounters and heart transformations to awaken us to the truth and the purposes of the living God. So Saul, now known as Paul, had a revelation about who Jesus is. Why do you persecute me? It could be just as easily, why do you ignore, this is God speaking, my will for your life? What's the big why question that God is asking me and you? Why do you do this and that? Why do you invite, invest your time and energies, etc., in this? Would you dare to ask me the question, this is the Lord speaking, about how that might be redirected in other ways? And um, know God's delight when, so I, I'm making the assumption there that some of us are not doing the right thing. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to make that assumption of all of us. And if my life's anything to go by, it's a, is it a curate's egg? It's a little bit of a mix. 
if we're honest. Secondly, encounter, Paul encountered the crucified, risen Jesus. Many, but not all of us, might be able to point to a moment in time where you knew that you came to faith. Some of us sort of drift into it. We might have been born into it, but we know by what we declare with our mouths and what we feel in our hearts that we're saved. And I don't know what your story is, but again, this is my theology, uh, and you can test it if you don't think it's right. But I happen to think there are conversion moments, but I would like to suggest that there are these encounter moments that can change our lives as Paul's life was changed. And it's not just a one-off encounter with God. It's a daily walk with God through the peaks and the troughs of life. And just sometimes we need to be redirected to find and rediscover our first love. And thirdly, it was a call to preach to the Gentiles so they could find salvation. And I just put this out, and this changes at different ages and stages of life. But all of us have a calling. First, to be children of God. But I think that has practical and prayerful expressions in other ways. So for some of us, I would suggest that there are multiple callings on our times and our energies. And multiple callings from the Lord. And for some of you, that might just be reducing down to caring and loving a loved one that can't care for themselves in the way that they used to be able to do. As the passage from 1 Timothy reminds us, God wants all people to be saved, but it's only possible, as you know, through repentance and faith, which comes from encountering Jesus, who was crucified and raised to new life. life. Jesus' death is God's ransom payment for all people to come to know him. A key verse in the passage from today is from 1 Timothy 2.7 and it underlines uh, Paul's purpose and for this purpose I was appointed a herald, an apostle. I'm telling you the truth, I'm not lying and a true and faithful teacher to the Gentiles. What a dramatic change of heart. This is more of a rhetorical question. But is there any heart that's ever existed that's beyond the grace and salvation and transformation of the living God? Would we dare to pray that that was true? And this is me sort of going a little bit off-piste of Russian presidents or prime ministers or leaders of the free world. We believe in a sovereign God. And I'm going to, this sounds, who could um, convert this wretch? I think it's probably Paul talked about himself like that, from being a persecutor of the church to being a herald of its, Jesus' salvation to all people. So, um, <laughs> you know your Bible, all things are possible. With God. God out of love for us gave us Jesus on the cross. Paul out of love for Jesus took the gospel message to the Gentiles so they'd be saved. We are called to make him and his purposes our first love, our heart's desire. He is the God who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Did um, 
your motivation change? Or have, can you think of times when it's changed when you've encountered God? Um, it helps for us, and sometimes we get sort of compassion fatigue, but to maybe have soft hearts and hearts that are full of compassion. Um, it helps that we don't feel powerless, although we often feel like that and are, um, that have a sense that we can make a difference. What do you have a passion for, a heart's desire to be and to do? And some of this um, language of passion is going to switch quite a few of you off, I think. But just dare to believe, um, even if it's not your personality type, that maybe in small measure, however you describe that, that the Lord might redirect your heart towards him and his purposes. It could be a cause or an issue. What is it that grips you about a cause or an issue? It could be a particular task. It could be particular people groups, young and slightly older. You might be called to serve in a particular context, for most of us, praise the Lord, that's Claygate. So uh, <laughs> unless you hear otherwise, uh, a direct message from the Lord, I suggest that we get on with it here. So that's, norm that's quite good advice. Some of these, um, so I've got a whole list of here. I don't think I'm going to bore you with the whole list. But heart's desires uh, take like lots of different forms. Catherine's been talking about creation care. Quite a few people, thankfully, have got a passion for that. It might be spending time with people. It might be bringing order out of chaos. It might be caring for others. Just putting it out there, Janet prayed for Jean Overington. Up until not very long ago, the previous lockdown, she was out there with mums, bumps, and babies, holding babies and listening to and caring um, for parents as well. She was faithful to the end. That was her heart's desire to serve the Lord and to communicate his love with others. And I could share lots and lots of other different stories. It could be sharing wisdom, a delight about music and worship. For some of us, it's not too late to dream dreams. I might be speaking to myself here, but I hope not quite yet. But old men are still allowed to dream Dreams about what God might do, building loving relationships, facilitating reconciliation, bringing healing, fighting injustice. I've got a really long list here. There's something for all of us, actually. It doesn't have to be the same, but the calling is to align our hearts and minds with the Lord, to experience his love and express that to others in practical ways, in prayerful ways. Finishing life well um, as good and faithful servants of Jesus is probably a supreme calling, but some of us wobble on the way, feel fearful. God understands. Passing on our faith and wisdom to the next generation I think, I think it's, it's the burning core of the church still. Lord, help us to be faithful to that calling.
Some of you get some chance to chat in small groups um, about some of these things. I'm just going to put out there very, very quickly some of the questions that some of our small groups are going to be asking themselves. What issues, causes or beliefs do you most care about? And I'd like to add, where does God fit in? What activities, tasks and roles do you most likely and like to be involved in? And I'd like to add, where might your love for God and neighbour motivate you? Who are the people you'd most like to help, serve or work with? And some are more natural fit. And some, working with some people can be life-giving. And working with some people may require extra grace. But I think we're all called to love God and love neighbour. And finally, what place or context do you care most about? Could this be something that God has placed on your heart? And if not, why are you doing it? I'd just like us to um, just have a few moments of quiet while we ask God to examine our hearts and our hearts' desires. And um, hear this, if you're feeling weary, gosh, Patrick, we just don't need an extra thing to load on anything else. For some of us, that could be a real unburdening thing because I think sometimes God asks us to place things into his hands um, on his yoke that are not ours to carry. But if we strip everything away, there will be some things that we can do. Most of us have got a prayer that we can pray or maybe someone that we can phone or encourage. I don't know what that is, but I know that there's a role for all of us. So just in these few moments and before I read the words of the psalm, we just wait before the Lord and ask him to renew our hearts, to change our hearts, and to motivate us with heart's desires that aligned with him. Lord, some of us sometimes need carrying and holding. And our whole being rails against this because we're so used to doing that for other people. But would you help us to trust you in these vulnerable moments? Lord, for those of us that are feeling weary and heavy laden, may we find our rest in you. Lord, we thank you for the many examples of faithful service and faithful saints in our church community. And we pray with them that we keep marching. 
Psalm 37 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And to close, Philippians 4.7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.